Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's September 29th, 2017. You're listening to the greatest poker cast ever invented. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Uh... Controversies, so controversy. So amazing, Chris. <laughs> I didn't even listen to it. Was it good? I'm not even sure what it was. <laughs> you know, we had a couple good guests. That was great. You know, I just couldn't. Oh, I know what it was. <laughs> you weren't on the show. So technically, did the show come to an, a streak come to an end because I wasn't on it, <laughs> or is it because the show? No, that's actually not true. Because you've missed shows in the past. That's true. That's true. And you yeah, have to. Had your guts written written out? We had a. <laughs> They're all over the floor. Doctors were stepping on my intestines. That was great. <laughs> I didn't even listen to the show. Was it good? Uh, no, I. I it no, actually, it wasn't it was, good. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it actually, I thought. I mean, I guess we'll see if the feedback from from fans were, but uh, it actually ended up being a lot more interesting than I thought because you know I thought you know hey we would have Elliot on we would just talk about some cold floor issues and then Ramsey wanted to be on I'm like okay great and then you know it just occurred to me that we could have a, a poker discussion and uh, it ended up being really interesting I thought so oh but okay. that's my very good but it was only interesting it wasn't funny and entertaining like when I'm on so no there, there were some funny uh, stories told <laughs> yes absolutely so damn it work with me here by not listening work with me <laughs> Uh, but, but speaking of like missing a show or missing that, the, the funniest thing was uh, on this cruise um, is that we went to Cosmo, which is always our favorite port. There's always a lot to do there, and that's you know the the home of the anti up tattoo parlor. Although yes. we didn't have them this time, right? But so you know we always had gone to a, a restaurant there. Uh, you know our dealers and staff and some of our our players that wanted to join us. Um, and we've gone to the same restaurant like for years, right? Mm-hmm. And then we just decided, eh, the quality's not the same anymore. We need to find a new place. So, you know, Ramsey started looking around. And um, so leading up to Cosmo, he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to that restaurant we went to the last time. And I'm like, God, I really don't remember going there. But I remember you talking about going there. So I'm sure I went. Why would I not go with you? I always always get off the ship in Cosmo with you. I can't figure this out. Get in the cab, and we're driving, and we're going to neighborhoods I've never seen in my life, right? And we pull up to the place, and I'm like, I promise you I've never been here. And we get in there, and we order, and it's fantastic. You know, the, the most expensive dinner, like roast uh, shrimp with garlic, which I got, was $9. <laughs> wow. um, and I'm like, oh, you know what? The last time you were in Cosimo, I wasn't on the cruise. It was the one cruise you missed. <laughs> That's right. That would explain why I wasn't here. <laughs> um. It, it, needed, uh, isn't that isn't this this is the stop where you guys always have the fish that eat your feet or something? Uh, I'm the only one that does that now. So yeah, but, but I yeah, heard yeah. that it's not good for you. Oh uh, yeah, of course. You know, so the funny thing was is that uh, we uh, so you know I I love doing it. It's fun because I can go to the Mega Mart. There's a Mega Mart right next next to it. Yeah, yeah. It's like a big Mexican Walmart kind of thing. 
And the last time I was down there, I went to grab us some beers because the tattoo parlor is across the way. So we always like to drink beers while everybody else is getting um, branded, right? Yeah. And I walked in there, and they they sold Old Style, which is my favorite beer, you know, made up in Chicago, not available anywhere in Florida. So I only get it when I go up to the Midwest. And I'm like, how does Mexico have Old Style? Wow. So I bought that stuff up, and I'm so excited. So, you know, now Cosmo is even better for me because I get off. I'm like, I'm going to go to the Mega Mart. I'm going to get my six-pack of Old Style, which is $3.07, by the way. <laughs> and then I'm going to walk a half a block to the fish spa and have the, the fish eat my um, eat my skin. And it's gorgeous. And I drink like four or five of the six beers. And <laughs> there was a fish reading. And then I get in the cabin going back on the ship. Great day, right? So we get back on the ship, and, and one, of the, one of the passengers we hadn't had before asked her, hey, did you get off in Cosmo? What did you do? And, uh, and then I explained I had the fish spa thing, and she gave me this look, and she's like, ooh, yeah, you know, I heard the, you know, if you have any kind of open sores, that that you can get an infection from that. And I'm like, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> Look at that, I'm like, eh, a little cut there. Oh, boy, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I heard some stuff, too. I didn't know. It's been a week, and I have not turned into a fish yet. So, so you're yeah, growing gills. Check behind your ears. Yep. <laughs> like Kevin Costner in Waterworld. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so uh, news this week. Uh, and actually, this broke during the um, the cruise, so we, we chatted a little bit about it on the cruise ship and now on the show. So interested to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, Gardens Casino in California recently added four flights and additional satellites for its $1 million guaranteed main event uh, and canceled two side events to accommodate that. Uh, those are moves that players complained were done to avoid having to pay out an overlay. Uh, representatives of the casino uh, have not pu- uh, commented publicly, at least last time I checked. Uh, but Matt Glantz of Poker Night in America, which had co-branded the event, uh, took to Twitter to say he was disappointed by the move and that Poker Night has no control over what its casino partners do. I just, I just don't know. I just don't know what to say about it. Um, if they were going to miss the overlay... And they had no way to make it. Then that's that's hey, that's what you get for making a guarantee. And those are the those are the you know, but those are the breaks. But it, one of the things that I'm not because if I can't are they upset that they canceled two side events to get to the because ultimately they're guarantee a million dollars and they got to a million dollars. Now they canceled other events to get there, you know, and that's you know not good. Yeah, but. It- they got the guarantee, which is what they're supposed to do. It's not like they said we're not going to honor the guarantee and only pay for eight hundred grand out or something like that. They just right. canceled events to get to the guarantee for you. I don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on this. I'd have to hear multiple viewpoints before I would probably come down hard on either way. Yeah, you, you brought up some of the points I was taking. I think if they hadn't canceled the two side events, it would be harder to pin them as doing this specifically to avoid paying out an overlay. Um, but now you're, now you're by canceling side events. Now you're taking away some value of the tournament series to players. You know, if players were, I don't know what those two side events were, but if they were planning on playing that and then they canceled them to add another flight to the main event, which either they've already played or they had no interest in playing. Right. Cause they can't come back for the final or something. Right. 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 Um, and, 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 the other thing is they moved the main event final to Tuesday too, so that that's a bigger issue I think too. To um, you know, for folks that need to get back to work or whatever, and say, hey, this tournament was going to be over on Sunday. Now all of a sudden yeah. I'm here and I played a flight and I moved on, and now I, I got to wait till Tuesday to finish. So, yeah. 
So yeah, there was a lot of unfortunate thing here. Um, and I don't want to say players overreacted to this necessarily because here's the thing with, with tournaments. Um, I mean, the worst thing you can do is well trying to guarantee players just lose their minds over that. And, and there are very few rooms that are stupid enough to well trying to guarantee. You know, a lot of rooms, you know, they, they put these guarantees on there knowing that they may actually miss it. Some some rooms, we had this article in the magazine years ago when we talked about this, and some rooms actually like to miss the guarantee from time to time because they think it's good advertising. Um, because people go, hey, for two things, one, hey, they might not meet that guarantee, let's go play. Um, and two, um, hey, that room missed a guarantee and gladly paid it out so we, 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 we could trust that room, right? So it, right. it works. It works even when it, it fails. So, um, but every every tournament I've seen is scheduled subject to change um, or casino res- reserves the right to make adjustments to the schedule. So that's what they did here. So I, I think in a technical sense, this is not welching. Um, obviously, it looks like from the outside, it looks like they're like, oh, my God, we're going to miss this guarantee. We don't want to pay out the money. What can we do within a reasonable expectation to not have it come up short. Yeah. And that's kind of unfortunate. Um, so I, I guess I'm not upset at players that are upset at them. I also think that it could have been worse. They could have just welched on it. Yeah. That's the, I think that's the bigger uh, issue. If, if that had happened, I could see there's probably no amount of, of reaction that could be too, too harsh uh, because, you know, Hey, we're guaranteeing this. We're making you come out for this. We're promising this much money, and then we don't. I'd be more upset about that than I would be about. I mean, that's the other thing too. Is are they going to upset five thousand players? Or are they going to upset a hundred? You know, they're saying, "Hey, those two side events might have got us a hundred people to show up, and one of them's no limit hold them anyway." You know, or whatever, and then, or am I going to tick off of all these other guys because we are just not going to lose three hundred grand, you know, for this tournament? But we can get it back if we hold these other extra events, and so I'm sure they did a lot of cost weighing and and whatever, and said this was the. I mean, now they're getting all this publicity. Seems negative. There's no one positive. I don't think there's anybody out there going. This was great. Gardens canceled two events so they could hit the million. You know what I mean? So they're not going to be positive, but. If you're looking for positive, there's a couple of things that I would say. One, if you're a player that really wanted to play in this main event, now you've got four extra flights to play, yeah, plus a bunch of satellites to get in. So if you're that player, you probably thought this was great, right? Yeah. Now that's a small minority of players, I think. Um, the other interesting thing, because we just spent a lot of time before the show talking about the future of poker next year. Um, you know, the the takeaway for the poker industry is this is a good test as to whether this is an acceptable solution to a sluggish tournament going forward, right? Mm. So, I mean, the initial uh, reaction from players has been very negative, and maybe that will continue. And then, so maybe there's poker rooms around the country looking at it like, hey, I never thought about doing that. And now, based on the reaction, I know I should never do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, or if the reaction softens a little bit as people think about it and come up with that, then it, it might be a new option for rooms. Um, and if that's the case, and, and here's here's an interesting thing: if players are players, are probably never going to be excited about this, right? But if they're accepting of this, um, 
a, a positive part of that would be that could embolden rooms to put bigger guarantees on events now. Right. You know because, what I mean? Yeah, because they know they can do things. We've got an extra tool with the toolbox if we come up short on our expectation that we can help us get there. So, therefore, if we're on that, you know, hovering between a 750,000 guarantee and a million, this might be something that says, all right, I I can fade the million now knowing that um, some players will be upset, but most players will be accepting if we, at the last minute, have to add a couple more flights to get us there. Right? Yeah. You know, uh, it, it says a lot, though, when Matt Glantz speaks out. You know, I mean, he he basically is like, obviously, he's one of the the people that's in uh, the Poker Night in America now, and he's an ambassador on the East Coast, and he's been an ambassador for poker a lot, and he's like one of those tournament gurus when it comes to structures and things like that. And I know he looks out for players and stuff, but he also looks out for his brand, and he looks out for that. And if he's coming out against it, it's probably not going to be a lot of people saying, "Hey, you know what? I think we should probably use this as a model going forward." Uh, yeah, he's right. in a he's in a tough spot here, and I, I certainly um, feel for him uh, here because you know we we're not Poker Night in America, but any tour Poker Tour has the same kind of arrangement. You know, we we're a marketing company for events, so even though they put an Annie Poker Tour name on their event, um, our partners completely run their event they design them name them run them um you know we, we only offer advice when they ask us for it you know some 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 of our partners don't ask us for it at all and they do their own thing and it's all good others like thunder valley obviously we we spend a lot of time back and forth on on the schedule so um and that's great when it works <laughs> But, you know, at that point, you don't have any control over your what your partner does here. Right. And I think what Matt is feeling, he's like, you know, hey, if it's up, if they came to me and said, hey, we're we're not we're going to miss the guarantee. This is what we're going to do. Um, it, there's only so much that Matt can do. Right. He can't say you can't do that. You can't pull out of the agreement the last minute. Um, you just have to trust that. Your partners are going to make the best decisions for both brands, and I think that's what he's feeling here. I think he's feeling that the Gardens didn't consider the repercussions on his brand. They are only concerned about their brand, right. and their that's different. You're a partner, so. Yeah. Oh, plus, you know, players don't understand. You know, I mean, uh, gosh, you know, every time I'm on the road talking, people are like, you know, you, you know, they, hey, when are you going to bring the Andy Poker Tour event to our? Our city, when I'm like, as soon as you find a casino there, it calls me up and says they want it. So right. It's not us bringing it there, right? So, um, and we also we often get a lot of questions about our events. You know, you know, tell me about this event, the structure, or that, and you know, we refer that back to the casino, and that probably frustrates some players because they're like, hey, this is your event, Scott. How come you don't know about it? And it's not that. It's 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 a co-branded but run by our partner, just like Poker Night America does with theirs. So it's confusing to players, I think. Yeah. Um, so that that's why it's a little bit, so, you know, if we ever had a, unfortunately we've never had a partner that, that did anything like this, you know, it, it would be a bit of a, a nightmare uh, for us and our brand as we try to explain it to players and at the same time balance it with the relationship we have with the partner. And that's a tough spot to be in. It's tough because sometimes you think if they don't understand it, then we're not presenting it properly. But at the same time, maybe we are presenting it properly and they just can't understand it. And so you're not... Or choosing not to understand it. Choosing not to, yeah, catch-22. I mean, I can remember when we first launched 
the Annie Up Poker Tour, before it was this big tour that we do, where it was marketing, we had that one years ago where we just did points and we had a player of the year and it was just for our advertisers and they all were part of the tour. And back then, I remember showing up for one at Derby Lane and the players were like freaking out when they announced over the thing that it was an Annie Up Poker Tour event. They were thinking that they were paying money to us to be, right. you know, and, and the money, the prize pool was being divided. And, and I'm like, whoa, 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 you guys are assuming a lot. No, not, none of that's happening. I, and so I kind of calmed them down. But, you know, so same with this. You just don't you just don't know what they're going to believe or what they're going to think with what you've presented. And it, it could be difficult sometimes. Absolutely correct. Hey, uh, I want to ask you something. In the past, I've talked about this on the show at least once. Um, you know that I bowl. So, I do. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. yeah I bowl. And uh, my teammates, it seems like every Me team I join. Me and Parker not bone talk about you all the time. And what? <laughs> Me and Parker not bone talk about you all the time. <laughs> um, it seems like every team I join wants to play the poker game when you bowl, you know, and you, if you throw a strike. The point you, they disappointed when the poker player doesn't want to play. I know. Um, but I play now. I automatically play now. I'm like, whatever. Here's my money. Um, but they have a rule on this new team I joined. And I want to know what you say. So we play with two decks, okay, because we throw a lot of strikes. So there's a lot of cards being, so you can't play with one deck. You'd run out of cards. Um, here's the rules. They play with two decks, two jokers, and you don't have to discard at all. So you have to make your best five-card hand. From all the cards you get. So, I mean, at the end of the game, if you have a decent game, you're going to have, like, 14, 15 cards in your hand. Um, and I made a Royal Flush. And do you have to make your, your top hand worse than your middle hand? No, worse? yeah, I wish yeah. I wish it was uh, Chinese. That'd no, be awesome. Chinese. That'd be awesome, because uh, I would win that every time. But I, I got together, I looked down at my cards, and I'm like, wow, I made a Royal. I can't lose. So they're like, all right, what do you got? I said, I got a royal. And another guy goes, well, I got five aces. And I'm like, all right, give me the money. And he's like, no, I got five aces. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> I have a royal. And he's like, yeah, but I got five aces. And I said, okay, look, I know in some games, like, five aces beats, but, you know, this is this is a royal and it's natural. It's not with wild cards. And so I want to know, one, what do you think? What beats what in that situation? Two decks, two jokers, and you can only play a five-card hand. Does five of a kind beat a royal of any kind, and does it beat a natural royal? And then after that, if we still have guys out there, because, you know, they did that whole thing for me about getting my royal flushes on two out of three hands or whatever, and they did the odds for me. I'd really like to see those guys tell me officially, in this scenario, which hand is harder to make so that I know... That because to me I still think a natural royal is harder to make in this instance than five of a kind. What do you think? Um, yeah, obviously we would need our, our our binary bunch to do the odds on us. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. Uh, <laughs> but what I will say is five of a kind is not a hand anywhere. Right. It doesn't exist. It's like a unicorn. So, um. I mean, I guess I can see people that are not poker players um, saying, oh, hey, five of a kind, that's the most amazing hand ever. But it's not a real hand. So, um, you know, unless you guys all got together and said, hey, five of a hand is not a hand, but it, it is in this game and it's the primo hand, I, I, I can't support giving a pot to a five of a kind. Yeah, because 
better hand out there. Basically, when we play with a joker in the home game, which we've only done maybe twice, but when you do, it only completes a flush or a straight. It, you can use it that way. You can't use it as a rank for five of a kind. It just, it just don't do that. So that's one of the things that these guys don't understand. They just automatically make it five of a kind. You know, and you're playing carnival rules. You know, I feel like in the background somebody yeah. should be with a monkey and going. Well, if that's they've always played it, then that's then that's a home game rule. And sorry, bud. Yeah, you, I know. And that's what I'm stuck with. But I mean, they well, won't listen to reason either. <laughs> you know. Well, I don't know if it's reason. I think it's again, you're not playing poker. You're playing bowling, and and it's a side game, and you have the possibility of making a, a five a five of a kind, which you don't in a fifty-two deck game. So now it is something. Um, I just think it needs to be clearly defined that to everybody, you know, like, hey, you know, I know there's no such thing as a five of a kind anywhere else, but some, here it's possible. And we've decided that it's the highest uh, hand, or we've decided that it's below a royal flush or whatever. And that's cool. But without it being defined, that's unfortunate. I think. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, I don't I... have a problem with using a five card. I mean, five of a kind, if that's what they want to do. I mean, it's possible to have it. So the only reason we don't have a five of a kind in regular real poker is that it's impossible to get. So. Right, it's impossible to get. And so that's what I was trying to get at with them was, you know, when jokers are used, they're used to complete straights and flushes, you know, and not that that's never going to win in this game. Someone's always going to make at least four of a kind when you got two decks sure. and everyone's got right. two cards at a pull and you get to keep all your cards. But um, you could still make a straight flush with a joker that would be say four of a kind or or whatever. So to me I still think that those jokers have value. They just shouldn't give you the value of making a hand that doesn't exist in poker. And so I you know, and that was me. I was I was just joking around with them and I didn't like fight for the money or whatever. I was like, "Really?" I'm like, "We need to talk about this." And so we all laughed it off and everything. Um but I was wondering if I can go back to them now next week and say, "Hey, just so you know, I ran it by the binary bunch." And it's harder <laughs> right. to make. Now, I don't care about the five of a kind. If they want to call five of a kind a hand, that's fine. But if it's harder to make a natural royal in that circumstance than it is to make five of a kind, then the royal should still be the best hand. But if it's not, if it's harder to make five of a kind, then I'll honor it and we'll go forward with it. But in that instance, it just feels like with two jokers and eight of those ranks versus you know, only five for a Royal and five for a Royal from the other deck combined is only 10 cards, but those specific 10 cards have to be, you know, it just seems to me it's harder, especially a natural Royal versus a natural five of a kind or, cause it, it, or, or a Joker five of a kind. It just seems odd to me. Anyway, I just wonder what you thought off the top of your head. So off the top of your head, what would you think though? Would you think it's the five of a kind? Um, yeah, if it's, if it's been decided and no, no, I'm saying like odds, like before the oh, binary punch gets back to us, do you think it's harder to make five of a kind in this instance, or it's uh, harder to make a royal, or a natural royal? Definitely a natural, I think, would be harder. That's what I, I thought. Mean, if you're throwing the joker in, then I don't really know. I mean, so you, you get a five of a kind. I mean, how many decks are you playing with? Just two, two or are you two playing decks. with two? So, two decks and yeah. two jokers, total. So you got to get five of the eight. There's only eight possible cards that can help you, and you need to get five of them. That's pretty odd um, stretch, where the straight... Royal flush, you actually have four different suits and duplicate cards for each. Right, but you're making one specific royal flush because otherwise, if you're saying duplicate suits and you're also talking about there's ten or thirteen ranks, I mean that you could do with the five of a kind. So it's got to be. Well, equal. No, I'm talking about royal. I mean, you've got four different royals that are possible, which is how it is always, right? But now you've got 
a duplicate set of cards that can help you. So they're, you know, two tens of spades that right. can help you get the oil. So, um, and it, I mean, if you're saying, is it harder to get a uh, five of a kind aces or a spade Royal, then I think it's definitely a spade Royal. Yeah. This is why I need to okay. find every bunch to weigh in. But if we're talking just a Royal, I mean, you've got four different suits. So I, I think it'd be easier to get a, um, yeah, but see, you're forgetting though. You have 13 ranks to make five of a kind. Every card is a possible five of a kind. Not every card is a possible royal. Oh, that's true too. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> that's what I was trying to get across before. So right. okay. So yeah, oh, let the, oh, you're if right. the binary that's, bunch wants to weigh in. I like to know. That's terribly stupid of me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any updates? Hollywood Casino Aurora near Chicago will be awarding 10 Antioch Poker Cruise balcony packages for a December 11th sailing to Jamaica and Haiti in a mega free roll on November 12th. The 100 players with most cash game hours logged during the promotion period will earn a seat, as well as 30 players who will uh, who win their way in through three monthly free rolls. Players can earn seats in the monthly free rolls by logging at least 60 hours of cash game play in a month or by playing on all Wednesday tournaments during the month. For more information, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Also, the schedule and preview for the Pearl River Poker Open an Annie Up Poker Tour series at Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi, October 26th and November 5th, has been posted at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash Pearl River. The 11-event series starts and ends with a 100 k guarantee event, including an $800 buy-in, $800 buy-in main event that will put the winner on the cover of Annie Up Magazine and into the 2018 Annie Up World Championship, and features a couple of new interesting events, including one where winners have the option of taking double their winnings in non-negotiable table games chips. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is an upgraded membership to PokerRadius.com, Poker's best social networking site and home of the Annie Up group discussions comes from Ed Boyle. He said, One thing I thought might make a good discussion subject for the podcast is the latest surge of poker vloggers. Who gets to name these things, by the way? Right? Why aren't they like blo- Why aren't they called like bloggios? <laughs> Why are they vloggers? Um, these vloggers have flooded onto YouTube in the past six to eight months. Though Trooper97 seems to have been the original one, it appears that Andrew Neem is the one that has kickstarted a whole bunch of new vloggers lately. Uh, he says, for example, I've seen Poker Crow, Brad Owen, Ray's Rail, Hello7027, Jammin' Burton, Poker Monk, Jeff Bosky, and there are a load more. It looks like they have caused a resurgence in poker interest on YouTube, but I wonder if that has carried over into the other aspects of the poker scene. For example, Andrew Neem and Brad Own uh, have uh, hosted several $2, $5 games at casinos in Vegas that typically do not get enough players for those games. The latest one they did was getting two or three tables of two five Nolan Hold'em running at Treasure Island, which sounded like that was the most action that that place has seen in a long time outside of the World Series. I think this is a positive thing for the game. It isn't on the same level as coverage on ESPN, but Neem alone can get 60,000 to 100,000 views on each video he posts. It has to have some impact, surely, to get existing players out to play again and maybe even draw in a few newbies, too. Um, you know, what I said is, I, I don't know... I, I don't think this really helps get new players in. Um, it might, but I, I wouldn't worry about 
I don't think that's really happening here. I don't I don't think there's players that, that have never played poker that are searching for poker on YouTube and watching vloggers play two five no limit at Treasure Island. I could be wrong, I guess, but I don't think so. Right. Um but the to the extent that there is a positive impact here, I, I think he's hit on that. I think he's hit on the folks that the real poker rats, people just live and breathe cards. This is one more way of them consuming knowledge and being interested in the game um, and learning from players. So that's a good thing. Uh, but the bigger thing, I think, as we pointed out, is that, yeah, if they're, if they're hosting these vlogging sessions in rooms that don't get games or don't get these kind of games, and now they're getting two or three tables of that game because people are at home watching it or whatever, that's at least a positive development for that individual poker room or where poker rooms they go to. Um, I don't know if that really translates to the overall thing, because, I mean, if, if you're telling me vloggers are going to get pick up two or three tables of action, they could do it any casino, right? But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, they're, they're picking up two or three tables that probably wouldn't have happened there if there's not the vlogging going on. So that that's definitely a positive, I think. It's, it's 100% a positive. Do I think that it's causing a resurgence no i think these people are in the area they are people who like to watch poker on youtube they like the analysis or they like the way the guy plays or they like the personalities and then they find out wow he's i live in you know henderson and this guy is going to be playing tonight at a 2-5 game over there and I've, I've watched him play so i think i know how to beat him or i think i can or hey i get to be on youtube so I'm going to go play. So if he has a following of 60,000 to 100,000 people, it's very likely that a good chunk of those people live in the area and could go down and play in that game. So that's great. I think it's definitely a positive. Um, no, none of this is negative. I don't think it's a resurgence, and I, and I agree with you about I don't think it's new people coming to the game. There's just no way. I mean, it, when you discover poker for the first time, you stumble upon it. You know, you stumble upon it on TV, and you're like, "Man, it's it's ubiquitous. Every channel, I gotta watch this, see what's all about." Or you come home and your kids are playing it, or you go to your friend's house for the night, and they're like, "Hey, let's play this game that's on TV," and you're like, "I never played before. Oh, this is how you play. Oh, I love it now." But I don't think people are going on YouTube and finding this by accident, especially when most of these social media sites basically send you stuff that they think you're interested in. So if you're already on YouTube looking at cat videos and you know, you know <laughs> what's wrong with movies or something, you know, one of those cinema sins yeah. thing or something like that, they're not going to start sending you random 2-5 games by these vloggers. So I really think you have to have some sort of interest in poker already to be hooked on these vloggers or watching these vloggers on YouTube. So um yeah, I don't think it's going to cause a resurgence in 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 poker itself um but i think it's definitely positive and anything these guys can do to help these poker rooms to get more games to help the poker game itself expand is awesome 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 that's why we're talking about on the show because they deserve a couple of minutes on our show easily absolutely agree perfect all right have we got new o'malley's move back to the uh the way things go a little missionary o'malley here we go Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing $1-$2 PLO8. This game has a mix of experienced players and no-limit hold'em converts with no idea what they're doing. 
In this home game, the action has been pretty timid pre-flop. Not a lot of raising, but almost no bets of less than pot after the flop. We are six-handed. The blinds post, and it's limped to us in the cutoff with a beauty. The ace of spades, ace of hearts, tray of spades, deuce of hearts. We make a raise, accounting for the limpers, to $12, leaving us about 90 behind. The big blind calls, a newcomer to the game of PLO8, who plays Hold'em well, but is too loose during Omaha. The under the gun also calls, a solid Hold'em player who has an interest in Omaha, but is still learning. We have both players covered. The pot is $45, and the flop is an interesting one. The ace of clubs, king of clubs, five of clubs. Well, top set, not low draw, but a very coordinated board. The big blind checks, but the under the gun makes a pot-sized bet. It's $45 to us, and that represents half of our stack. What's the move? It's time for the AdvancedPokerTraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiapmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And uh, Justin Mastrandea is back. I think I might have got that. You added an R in there. That's not in there. Oh, I threw an R in there. It's Mastandrea. Mastandrea. Yeah, All no right. R. All right. But you were close. Always a fun listener to, to yeah. send in. So yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Um, all right. So, uh, he says he's at Foxwoods again. Um, playing one, two, no limit. Say hi to the uh, waitresses. <laughs> don't forget to tip them. <laughs> you can use chips. You can use chips now. Um, uh, he says, I've been sitting down for roughly two hours and sat with squiggly 550. Uh, I hadn't played many pots, uh, because the people there were pretty loose, uh, though not all of them were aggressive. Uh, which is standard there on a Saturday night, and I was going to stick to mostly ABC poker to build my bankroll. I had raised in position uh, or with solid hands and only played junk when I had pot odds and or position. Thankfully, I was able to hit a set of jacks in my first half hour and was able to double up. Since then, I again had to stick to ABC poker. I was in the big blind when this hand happened. The end of the gun called, and this folded the cutoff who calls. Button folds, small blind calls. So we've had uh, three people in. And we're in the big blind in a limp pot with ten of clubs, eight of clubs. Shove. <laughs> Obviously, they don't have big hands. Otherwise, they would have raised. We're going to take them on easy money and move on. an up hand of the week shirt that just says shove, Chris. <laughs> yes, that's what it should say. Shove with an exclamation point. You can add that to the soccer jersey and the Tommy Bahama shirt. <laughs> well, uh, we are happy to see a flop for the price that we already were forced to put out there. Let's do that. Uh, it seems to be the safest route. Yes. Uh, all right. Our hero says, I figure I'll just check, knowing that if I really hit this hand, no one will suspect it. And if I don't, well, I'm not losing any money because I'm already in the big blind. So I just check. I mean, I guess there's a case here. If it's, he, said, he said this game was loose but not aggressive. I kind of like that, to be honest. Um, I mean, if you really want to get squirrely here, you could raise. But, but I like his – I mean, you go back to what your strategy is for the night. And his strategy had been ABC poker. So raising in a cash game with 10-8 to close big blind is not ABC at all. Yeah. More pressure to do that in tournaments. So here, I mean, I, we would be getting out of our, our game plan here by, by raising. So, um, All right. Uh, there's $8 in the pot, and the flop comes queen of hearts, jack of clubs, nine of clubs, and he says, as Sexton would say, bingo, bango, bongo. <laughs> and uh, he says, I'm firmly controlled. Decide to see what the small blind does. And predictably, he checks. 
So it's on us, and we have flopped a straight, and I haven't opened it a straight flush draw. We're going to lose so much money on this hand. <laughs> I can feel it. I don't even have to know what happens. I know we're losing all kinds of money. Uh, oh, man. Um, I don't know. See, there's two ways to go about this, and it's like, do I think they're going to bet behind me? Because I don't want to give a free card. Yeah, we have clubs, and we have outs to straight flush clubs in case somebody has better clubs, but it's very rare that that's going to come. You're not going to get that seven or that queen of clubs um, very often, you know, to ensure you have the nuts. Um, but I just, oh, I know we flopped the low end, and these guys all limp, so king ten could be out there, suited ace of clubs could be out there. I I I want to bet now. I don't want to check. Yeah. I want to bet now. There is no justification you could give me for checking here. I got to bet right now. If you go back to what we said in the last paragraph here, his hands are disguised, right? Right. So, I mean, obviously now when you're betting out, a smart player will look at the board and see that's pretty coordinated and think, hey, King Ten is pretty possible in the big blind. Somebody that wouldn't raise with it. Um, ten eight. You know, it's a little harder to put together, but it's a big blind, so it could be anything, right? Right. Um, so there's a very real possibility by betting here that we'll just take the pot down and, and not get the value you want. But by checking, you know, normally if you if you want to slow play, which is almost always a bad idea, right? Um, you're doing it so people will catch up. The problem is with this board, uh, there's nothing that's going to make anybody feel better about their hand, right? If they they if they get a second pair, they're not going to feel good about this with this board, I don't think. Uh, particularly if that second pair ends up being a third club. And if the club does come, unless it's you know a straight flush club, we need now we're worried, right? Yep. Um, and you know we could be really um, vulnerable to to a king of some sort here too so uh, I like my hand a lot but I like it right now <laughs> yeah. there's a big chance that uh, with one of these last two cards I'm not gonna like it at all so I'm I'm betting I mean obviously there's not a lot in the pot so it's kind of a problem I I'm gonna probably bet the pot which is eight bucks and it's probably not gonna do anything but that's the best I can do I think yeah I yeah I was thinking eight to ten. Just, I mean, what are you gonna do? You're not gonna shove. You're not gonna overbet in case you're. You could still be beat, you know. You still oh, yeah, got king ten, so you don't want to lose a ton of money on this either. So, I mean, there's a very real possibility right now that we we are an underdog in this hand right now yeah. up against three other players. Um, we might have the best hand now, but we could still be the underdog. So, or we could be almost drawing dead. You know what I mean? You could yeah, be, could I be. mean, other than the two straight flush cards, you might have somebody who has the nut flush draw, and you got somebody who's a bigger straight. So you have to hit the this queen of the seven of clubs, you know. So, yeah, I don't want to risk a lot of money here, but I don't want to check either. I'm gonna at least try to knock some people out of this, and then on the turn, really hope that it's a blank, and you know, you could bet a little more and whatever. But yeah, let's bet like eight to ten. All right, um, we decided to check. What was it you just said a couple minutes ago? About not, there's no argument you could make for checking or something. And what did you say right before that? We're going to lose a lot of We're money. Lose on a lot of money on this hand. <laughs> oh no! Well, let's see what happens here. Let's hope for the best. We always we always hope for the best for our. All our right. Hands, right. 
Uh, the other gun player, who is a younger player, has been wearing sunglasses. It's after 8 o'clock. <laughs> Bets $20. And $20 in the butt? Wow. Wow. Um, a huge overbet. Uh, he's been doing things like this all night, whether he's bluffing or he has the goods. I haven't been able to get the best read on him, but for the most part, he likes to bluff aggressively. He sits with squiggly 150. Well, it must not be working out too well for him. <laughs> uh, the cutoff, who's probably in his 60s, uh, looks at him for a moment and just calls. Uh, he's been playing many hands as well and appears to be a calling station, as I've seen him call big bets on the end with just middle pair. He has squiggly 400. His game is going much better than the aggressive kid with the glasses. Uh, small blind folds, and it's back to us. Oh, man. Oh, man. This is terrible. This is I don't terrible. know how terrible it is. It, it's, it, it's an interesting situation. I, uh, I'll hear what you say, and then I'll, I'll tell you why I don't think it's terrible. Well, what I think is terrible is that you're going to see somebody with the nut flush now in his. This has to be the nut flush. And now you've got someone else who might be slow playing the bigger straight with the king of clubs in his hand. You know, something like king 10 with the king of clubs and... It, you know, not that that's, but it's a blocker for us, but it's it's also a chance for him to go runner on a club. or, And so we're literally, we could be up against the worst ever. Um, you know you're up against the nut clubs somewhere in this. You have to be. And the guy who bet 20, he could be somebody who's protecting something. So he might be protecting, you know, two pair or something, which is good. Maybe I just call and now... And see the turn is, and then if they light it up, then I know my flush isn't good. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I'd like to raise, but I just feel like I could be raising into the nuts and the redraw to the nuts. And we only have the the, the pristine nuts to draw to to beat them. I think I coined the phrase there, the pristine nuts. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I, I, I'm really, really worried. Um I think if I was in the the one three game, you know, on the ship, I probably would shove here. Believe it or not, but he's got like five hundred or so in front of him, so or more than that, right? Because he doubled up when he started. Well, the second with guy does. So it, it, this is why uh, I think this is actually a good spot for us. Now I could be wrong on this. I mean, obviously we don't know. But um, we're putting our best read here. I am putting the the young punk on pretty much nothing or something that we obviously have beat. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's got a hand that's better, if he has king 10 right now, it doesn't make much sense to bet 20, even though I know he's got this uh, mode where he's been doing that all night with whether he has it or not. So uh, I think he's pretty weak. I think he's trying to steal his pot. And he's, he's overbetting. Um, plus, we get the benefit of he only has a 150 in front of him, right? Right. The person I'm more worried about is the guy behind who has us covered – or it doesn't have his covered, but he has a lot of money. He's got four hundred people and 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 just called. Um, to me, that that's a draw. It could be a slow play, and if it is, then we might need some help here. Um, but uh, it sounds to me like he's got clubs or some kind of straight combination that isn't there yet, um, and he's happy to to call the twenty right now to. Um, stack the, the punk kid so uh what i want to do now is i want to raise pretty big i want to not give the guy that has the most money the odds to draw and if we can get the kid to commit um with a weaker hand that's great 
Um, the risk is that everybody folds and we only get the 40, 50 bucks, but that's not bad for a 10, eight hand. <laughs> so the question is how much to bet here. And, and this is going to sound a little funny, but I'm looking and doing the numbers. I, I might raise to a hundred here. Well, it's not funny because if he makes it 20 and the other guy Why calls one fifty and just try to put that kid all in, <clears> um, <throat> that, that seems a little crazy. But then, I mean, if you're betting that big now, it's really hard for somebody to put you on King 10 or 10-8 unless they really think you're protecting hard, which I guess we are. But Well, like you said. I think you've got to make a big raise. I don't know these, I don't know the right number, but. Yeah, the 400 of, is what has me worried. If that guy now comes over the top after we make it 100, yeah, we come, what do we go all in when the guy, you know, the guy's got King 10? That's the thing. Is it, is the guy who's got 400 now, when you make it, well, if you make it 100, he shoves, then what? <clears throat> if he has king 10 and he doesn't have clubs i don't worry about that as much so we have to put him on a really narrow hand that we are essentially drawing dead with i would rather not have to make that call but i think i could make that call if i had to but i don't i don't think the the, the possibility of having to make that call is high enough not to encourage us to to be bold with our bet here let me we ask just you call this. here. We're just light do, money on fire. I think. Do you do you see a scenario where just calling works until the turn no. isn't a club? I think you're lighting money on fire here. If you throw another twenty in there, you've got two more opponents drawing. Where there's all kinds of draws out there. Some are good for us. Some aren't good for us. If there's no club on the turn, then we don't have to worry about king ten. We have outs for ourselves on the end. But if it's king of clubs and a club comes on the turn, now we're now we can get away from the hand if we want to. Because yeah, I don't know if know, I want to get away from this hand, though. On the turn, I'm saying, if there's a club. Yeah. yeah. And and then all of a sudden, the board lights up, guys are putting in 400 and 150 before it even gets no, to you I mean, or whatever. There's lots of times I'll I'll talk about how I want I want to give myself an option to get away from a hand if it doesn't work, and I know I get skewered for it, but this is not what I'm this, this is a hand that I like. I like where I'm at right now. I just want to be sure I, I don't get too cute and lose it, so... All right, so you, if normal raise from I'm the to 20 would be 60, and then there's another 20 on, it would be 80 anyway. Because that's basically what the raise would be anyway if we were playing ABC poker, which is what we said we would do. 80's fine, too. I mean, so 60, 80. I think, if the other guy is on a draw, I think he might look at it, even though the odds probably are not correct, that he'll call the 60. Yeah, so 80 might be the bet. I think it has to be at least 80, but 100 seems better to me. But Okay. I just, I just try to live in the what-if situation here. If you make right. it 100 and then that 400 guy shoves for 400, what do you do? You're calling? Yeah. You got the low end of a straight and you don't even have the nut flush draw? Yeah, but I, I again, he has to have king of 10, king 10 of clubs. For we me to can't. We have a ton of clubs. Word. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, so at that point, what does he have? He has the, you're right. So that makes it even better. <laughs> I don't know why I wasn't even thinking about that. So he can't have a hand that's got his drawing dead. Right, right. So you're talking about the side pot is still in play for us, and it makes it worth it because right, either right. one the of worst, them could have the nut flows, but the other one doesn't. The worst he could have is king ten with the king of clubs, and now he's got his beat already. We we'd have to hit our clubs to win, or a card that would let us to chop. And if we got that club, then we just have to fade a fourth club. Right, which seems I I don't know what the odds are on that, but I'm comfortable with that. So let's say the uh, the $150 guy has the nut clubs, ace, deuce of clubs, and then the other guy has king 10. So now we still win this. We lose the side pot on well, the straight, but if the clubs scenario. get there, then we, we lose the main pot, but we win the side pot, which is probably still enough to make us break even. 
Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, I mean right. that's another two fifty on top of right. But we'd lose the main pot to the other guy. Right, but we still make two fifty. So we make two fifty, but we put in four hundred. So yeah, we guess we make a little bit. Yeah, but but again, that that's that's a mitigated risk, right? Yeah. So yeah. Okay. And we're talking like a perfect storm here. No, I know. I'm just we're that's why we do this. That's why we're we're right. just thinking about all scenarios for. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of scenarios where we're going to lose here, but I think right now it's got to be a perfect scenario for us to. But but just calling gets us, you know, we're starting fires that we have to put out later on. And there's also the element of surprise here that we didn't do anything. We check now we're check raising to eighty or a hundred. These guys got to really have a hand to be able to call us now. And exactly. Sort of defines their hands. So. Okay, well, let's make it eighty to one hundred. All right. And see here, here it says, normally I just call, but there's a chance one of these guys has something random like ace, deuce of club, so I decide to raise. I make it 65 to go. Eh, all right, I think it's a little light. I think we're going to get some callers here yeah, that we don't want. A little but, light. but at least we raised, so. Yeah. Uh, it says, the way they've been playing, I can see them both calling, so if they do have a draw, I'm going to make them pay. Uh, the end of the gun calls, as does the cutoff. Why the other gun didn't push, I don't know. He only has about 80 or so left. He seems rather pleased by my raise as well, which is weird. But I don't think it means he has king-10. If he did, I think he'd push. No, this makes me think he has top pair or a draw. The other player definitely is on a draw. Otherwise, he'd raise as well. In my mind, I'm ahead. I think that's probably all correct. Okay. Uh, about 200 in the pot, and turn brings the tray of hearts. So our board now is queen of hearts, jack of clubs, nine of clubs, tray of hearts. And we are first to act. Well, if I'm going by what Justin says, he doesn't believe anyone has King-10. Then I don't see any reason not to just shove here. Because yeah, if mean, there's that much in the pot... And he's clearly put the other guy on a draw, <laughs> and the draw missed. The tray of hearts helps no one here. I mean, so, if you're confident in your reads, there's no reason to not put them both all in to protect your hand against the ace-deuce guy. Because we don't know which one has ace-deuce. And if the other guy had King-10, you're already losing to him. So, I mean, it just depends on which one of them has which hand. But if you're believing that one it might be ace-deuce and the other one's just you don't even know what it is and it can't be King-10, there's no reason not to bet the pot here, right. which essentially puts one guy all, puts one guy all in and, and almost puts the other guy automatically all that in. That guy's pot committed whether he realizes it or not. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's the draw that, again, I'm still worried about. And I, th- and I think we're all on the same page that that's a draw. So let's let's shove here. Um, or at least, yeah, yeah, you have to shove. You can't bet the 80. You can't bet 80, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we check, hoping the other gun will bet, but he surprisingly checks. Uh, I'm not surprised that he checked. Obviously, he didn't like his hand enough to shove, right? Right. So, um, the cutoff then throws in two red chips. He bets $10 into a $200 pot. <laughs> I look at him funny, as, as does under the gun. Really? 10 bucks in this pot? And it's back to us. Wow. Well, I just go back to the same thing. I just... Yeah, same thing, right? Yeah. Shove. All right, I announce raise and make it 100 to go. The under the gun insta-shoves, and knows the older gentleman mumbling to himself. Does he have a draw? Does he have top two? Why did he bet $10? He grumbles again before calling. Oh, boy, his hand went places I never thought it was going to go. Jeez. There's now 480 in the pot when the river brings an ugly five of clubs. So the final board, queen of hearts, jack of clubs, nine of clubs, tray of hearts, five of clubs. Uh, 
uh, just check and see if the guy checks behind, see if he's got like the two pair and he's happy to to check it behind, I guess. Yeah, the interesting thing here is he says the cutoff announces 100 in a loud voice and it's back to me. So did that guy jump the action? Or? We must have checked again. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all we did was check the whole way, so we probably checked again. Uh, all right, so it's back to us. Uh, and he uh, bet 100. Yeah, well, how can we be ahead now? It's so clear, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we thought he was on a draw the entire time. The draw got there. Yeah, I have to fold. I know it's what 580 so it's 5.8 to 1 on your money i just don't think i can call this right but it's not 580 on your money it's very clear by the action here that that we are behind we could be wrong but the odds are all saying that we are behind so it doesn't matter how much is in the pot or how much we're calling you know if it's one dollar we have to call yeah all right but 100 it's not (laughs) one dollar right when you know you're when you know you've lost it's okay to fold even if the odds say call exactly right um. All right. So Arira says, does he really have two clubs? Could he have some like ace king of clubs? Does he think his draw was worth calling me down all the way? Maybe he has a bigger straight. There's no way I'm folding for a hundred when there's five eighty in there. But I, should I raise? Oh, I wow. don't have the nuts, and there are a lot of hands that beat me. So I decided to just call. Wow. Yeah. No. And ace king of clubs doesn't make sense. Um. I mean, it seems like somebody would have raised with that hand. Anybody would have raised with that hand preflop. Um. But, uh, yeah, no. Raising? No, no, no. no. You don't have the nuts yeah. anymore, and his guys have been playing it like a draw the whole way, and you only have a 10 for your flush, so no. Under the gun tables, the jack of hearts, nine of hearts for two pair. Cut off triumphantly, turns over the ace of clubs, queen of clubs. Wow. Looks at both of us before stating that he thought the two red ships were green ones on the turn. Uh, I don't believe him, but even that's true. Do you think I could have done more to get him off this hand? Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, but I just don't know. Some people just don't want to let go of their flush draws either, though. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And, I, I would you know, say maybe. He, he, uh, and he makes a good point. Top error, not flush draw. He's probably not going anywhere. But he did grumble a little bit. Maybe he was grumbling because he he realized he bet 10 instead of 50 there. Right. And not that we're raising, but... Um, but here's the thing. So we go back to what we said before. We were going to bet really big on this flop, right? Right. Or raise big after the 20 because we wanted to price him out of drawing. So even if, so if you have a, if you have the hand that our opponent had here and we would have bet 100 there instead of calling. I, I'm, you- I, if I'm the guy with the 400, I'm shoving. I got top pair top kicker nut flush draw with two to come and i got a crazy guy betting 20 who he bets 20 no matter what he does and i got another guy who now comes alive i mean even if i'm behind at that point i probably a flip to beat him and that's only if he has the straight and i could still hit a 10 to make a better straight so i got a straight or not a 10 i'm sorry i was thinking we had ace king um but we have top pair, top kick. We go run a runner for Broadway. We can go one club for the nuts if it's not the seven or whatever, queen of clubs, because he's holding the queen of clubs. So that's out for an out for us. So, I mean, I, I just, if I'm that guy, I'm not going anywhere. So I don't know if we could have gotten this guy off the hand. I don't think I'm going anywhere. I got the nut flush draw, top pair, top kicker, and a guy bets, I, I call 20, and now you make it, well, well he made it with 65, but we were going to make it 80 to 100. There's no way I'm going anywhere. If anything, I might even raise again. Yeah. 
I don't think that guy goes anywhere. I don't think you can get him off the Probably hand. True. Probably true. The turn, maybe you make him think about it if you shoved on that turn, and it costs him his whole 400 for one street. This is why I was talking about before about maybe waiting a street. Yeah. Well, we still had that option the way we played. We And again, we talked about shoving there, and we didn't, right? <laughs> right. So. That's the only way that you get him off his hands. If you shove on the at that turn. point, he only has one one card to come, and when we shove, then he's got to look at that board and go, at least give us credit for better than a pair potential having a straight there that yeah. he has. To, you know, his regardless of what he has at that point. I mean, what he thinks we have at that point, he has to assume that we haven't beat right. He his, has to pair of queens cannot be good there, so he has to hit his draw to beat us. Now, it may not be that we have the straight. It could be that we have two pair. Um, he, he's got to hit something at that point. You know, his queen just can't be good. And now now he only has one card to hit the flush. So. Right. Yeah, that was my thinking when I was saying maybe we just wait one more street and make sure it's not a club, and then we shove on these guys or make a big bet. Maybe I'll get him to lay down his ace, suited ace. Ace-queen, though, was shocking. I thought that might elicit a raise preflop. But... Yeah, he, it might just be he was gun-shy over the, the, the kid in his hand and didn't want to get shoved off of it pre-flop he wanted to see it yeah see, see flop with it which, and that that kind of scenario i i would do that probably all, all day long okay. so wow. i'm not all surprised by that but uh does he have anything else to say or is that it that's it okay well going a good show i'm chris casenza and i'm scott long we'll see you at the table anti-up is a production of antiupmagazine.com Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music Network.